Well, about an hour away from this church is a little piece of what I would call heaven. It's called Han State Park. I know many of you have been there. I've been hiking and camping and picnicking at that park since I was about 14 years old. And that means I've been going there for probably at least 20 years. I did say at least, okay? But Han State Park is beautiful. It's an escape from city life without having to, to travel for hours. It's an easy drive, mostly straight down Highway 55. You do have, have two choices when you get off at 55 to cut over to the park. And both those choices will bring you to the main road into the park. Your first choice of highways is to exit at Highway 32 and go west away from St. Genevieve. Highway 32 is a well-traveled road. Like 55, you can cruise along it fairly quickly. It's safe. It's, it's the road that most people take when they go to Haunt State Park. But there's a second choice, and your second choice is a, it's a lesser road, known road called Highway O. Highway O intersects 55 just a few miles before you get to Highway 32. And it eventually ties back into 32 and brings you to the park. But Highway O is a, is a two-lane winding road with lots of hills. You can't go too fast. You have to pay attention to every single turn. And it makes the drive to Hong State Park a few minutes longer. But it's well worth the time. Highway O provides some beautiful views of pastures and farmhouses in rural Missouri. And those two roads got me thinking a little bit about life in general. If you think about it, there's really only two paths, two roads that you can take in life. The first is what I would call the highway to hell. The highway to hell is a popular road. It seems to be the choice of more and more people. It's a fast highway. It's an easy highway. Everybody seems to be doing it. You don't have to think for yourself on this highway. You just go with the flow of culture. You can make your own rules, as long as those rules don't offend anyone. On the surface, it seems to be a lot of fun. And many people are on the highway to hell, but they, they don't even realize it. And the bad news about the highway to hell is it doesn't take you where you want to go. The highway to hell leads to disaster. It literally leads to hell. See, hell is a real place, and you don't want to go there. But the good news, the great news, is that if you're on that highway to hell, you don't have to stay on it. As long as you're alive, you can change direction. You can take a far better road. And that better road, you might guess, is the highway to heaven. And it seems like fewer and fewer people are, are taking that road these days. It's easy to miss. Our culture would tell you that this highway to heaven is a waste of time. They don't believe in its values. People in the culture say that that highway's got too many rules, rules that don't line up with the way the culture wants us to live. And all I can say about that is they're sadly mistaken. See, the highway to heaven is, is a free road. 
You don't have to be good to, a good person to be able to get on it. You don't have to earn your way on it. It's not about the rules. It's actually more about faith, truth, grace, and obedience. Now, life on the highway to heaven isn't always easy. It requires us to have a willingness to change. We have to admit that we're not in control. Those on the highway to heaven will face life's challenges just like anyone else in life. But there's a great difference, a huge difference. We're on the highway to heaven, we aren't alone. We have hope. Travelers on the highway to heaven also face persecution. Persecution can come in all kinds of forms, from simple ridicule to exclusion, all the way to outright attacks. See, traveling on this road makes us look different. And culture wants us all to look the same. But the highway to heaven calls us to a, a better, actually the best way to live. It's a life with purpose. It's a life filled with meaning. It's a life that can make an eternal difference. And the highway to heaven has so many blessings. The best part is, is it ends in paradise. The highway to heaven is a road of hope. You could call it a road of hope. It's the only road of hope. Throughout this service, you've heard a couple times that we have shared John's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And those verses are reason for us to celebrate. They are the only words that provide reason for hope. Jesus rose from the dead just as he said he would. And if you think about it, that changes everything. Without the resurrection, there is no highway to heaven. Without Jesus, there is no road of hope. But John 20 also presents something that may be slightly unexpected. The first person to see the risen Christ was a woman, Mary Magdalene. Now, the other Gospels mention other women with Mary, but John focused on Mary Magdalene's experience. Way back in the first century, women were second-class citizens. Men ruled the day. And the fact that a woman was at the tomb first and saw Jesus first tells us a couple things. The first thing it tells us is kind of surprising because John, a man, wrote about it. It was terribly humbling for a man like John to confess that a woman was actually the first one to see Jesus after his resurrection. As a man living in those days, John should have been there. If John was making up this account... He certainly would have had a man be the first one to the tomb. It just would have made sense. But that wouldn't have been accurate. John had to write the truth as it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the fact is the matter, of the matter is the men, the disciples, they were still hiding in fear for their lives. <laughs> but Mary went to the tomb. The fact that John even admitted that a woman was the first to see Jesus is one of many, many reasons that we can trust the resurrection. And then second, 
Mary Magdalene being at the tomb actually tells us something about her. Mary Magdalene was on what I would call the road of hope. The resurrection confirmed her hope. So we're going to take a few minutes this morning and look at, and look at Mary Magdalene's road of hope. But before we get there, it, it'd be nice for us to kind of get to know Mary Magdalene. And the fact is, is we don't know a whole lot about her. But what we do know about her from the Bible is, is helpful. Mary Magdalene actually shows up in the Bible by name 12 times. That's pretty impressive. There are other times where Scripture speaks of the, the women who were with Jesus. And it's likely that Mary Magdalene was part of that group. You see, she was a prominent woman in the Gospels. And not only that, but her, her name tells us something about her. You see, names in the, in the f- first century were very informative. And, and the second part of Mary's name, Magdalene, tells us that she was likely from the town of Magdala. Magdala was on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. Magdala, back in that time, was a home to a fishing industry, agriculture, manufacturing, and, and trade. The town sat next to a large har- harbor. Archaeologists discovered the first boat of Jesus' time just north of Magdala's shore. And the Romans destroyed Mary's hometown in 68 A.D., Some people have said that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, specifically the prostitute in Luke 7 who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and then wiped them with oil. And that makes for a good story, but actually if you go into the Bible, there's no scriptural support to that claim. The Gospels also mention uh, Mary wiping the feet of Jesus. But that was the Mary, the sister of Lazarus, not Mary Magdalene. We do know that Mary Magdalene was a group of women, was one of a group of women, who followed Jesus and supported his ministry. Scripture tells us she was at the cross, she was at Jesus' burial, and Mary was one of the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And so her story is one of faith. Her experience provides insight into what we might all experience as we travel the road of hope. We first meet Mary Magdalene in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, and these two verses are her first steps in that road of hope. Those first steps could be described as hope is found. Luke 8, verses 1 and 2 reads this. It says, Soon afterwards, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were traveling with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmity. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Luke's telling us there, Mary had seven demons. Her life had to be hopeless. She was likely ostracized. She was tormented. Demon-possessed people are often a danger to themselves and, and to others. Mark's gospel confirms that It was Jesus who cast out those seven demons from Mary. Jesus entered into her life and brought her hope. Now the Bible doesn't go into a lot of details about her life, about the demons being cast out and what went on there. But I promise you, Mary's life was never the same. And it's the same for us. When God 
changes us, when God changes you, when God changes me, it typically doesn't make the evening news. It doesn't go viral on social media. But we know that God has changed us. And our closest friends and family, they see the difference in us. You know, such a life change can come in many different forms. For example, Jeff was freed from the prison of pornography. It was a huge day for him, but you know what? Nobody at work knew it. Of course, his wife jumped for joy. Rachel had been cutting. Cutting and hiding it. And then one day, God released her from her trial, and it changed her life. Her parents thanked God. She had scars, but more importantly, Rachel had blessings. Jesus helped a man named Dan clean up his act. He had been a drinker, a liar, and a cheat. The change in his life wasn't instant. It took time. At first, some of his friends barely even noticed a difference. But one day then, they realized that Dan was a new man. God had transformed him. See, God often works behind the scenes in our life. And he transforms us from the inside out. And it's a big deal. We've been given new life. Hope has been found. And the thing about hope is once it's found, it actually grows. Hope grows as we follow Jesus. In Mark 15, verses 40 and 41, Jesus is actually on the cross, but this passage actually speaks to the, to the women who were with Jesus during his, his ministry. We read this, it says, There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the monger, mother of James the Younger, who is also known as James the Lesser, and of Joseph and Salome, and when he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. It's pretty obvious. Mary Magdalene followed Jesus. She was a disciple. She just wasn't one of the 12 disciples. And the truth is, we can only imagine what she saw and heard. You know, we could, did Mary witness some of Jesus' miraculous healings? Did she enjoy a, a fish sandwich at the feeding of the 5,000? Did she get to taste some of Jesus' wine made from water? Was Mary seated on a hillside listening to Jesus' sermon on the mount? We can't be sure, but we do know that Mary followed Jesus. And the fact is, is if you follow Jesus, you will grow. And, and you and I, we, we grow as we follow the Lord. We come to church, we hear a message, we sing praises to God, and guess what? Our faith grows. We discuss a scripture passage and share life in a, a community group, and discipleship is strengthened. We read our Bible, and it allows the Holy Spirit to open up our heart to understand the truth. We serve somewhere in a Christian ministry, and it strengthens our faith. That faith grows. Our hope grows. And growth always leads to the next mile marker on the road of hope. When hope grows, hope is almost always tested. Because it's through our trials that our faith often grows the most. In John 19, verse 25, 
were at the cross. And John wrote this. He said, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. The women, including Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother, Mary, were at the cross. It had to be the worst day of their lives. We talked about it at the lunch bunch a couple weeks ago. For a mom to be there and watch her son dying on the cross has to be the most painful experience ever. And we don't know what Mary Magdalene was thinking as she was witnessing Jesus' death. Was she doubting? Was she maybe questioning if Jesus really was the Son of God? Was she just hurting terribly for her teacher and his mom? We don't know. But we do know this, that trials and suffering and loss and other tragedies, they, they test our faith. And if we've lived long enough, we've probably witnessed people walking away from God during a trial, during a tough time in life, because they can't imagine how, how can a loving God allow such suffering? And if suffering has no purpose... Well, then they're right. And in that case, God is cruel. I mean, think about it. If God allowed his only son to suffer far greater pain than we will ever experience, and and if that wasn't to save us from our sins, then Jesus' suffering makes no sense. And yet, if suffering has a purpose, it's still terrible. But if suffering has a purpose, it makes all the difference in the world. God actually uses those hard times in life to help us. We grow closer to him. We rely on God to to get through it. He carries us through it. We know that Jesus suffered on the cross for us. We realize that suffering can actually be used by God to refine us. It'll make our faith stronger. And we hold on to the hope that that suffering certainly isn't going to last. But the fact is, is that sometimes we still struggle to understand It just doesn't make sense. Sometimes the road of hope becomes confusing. But the thing to remember is that hope endures confusion. It gets us through. Now, I've driven to Haunt State Park many, many times. And last spring, my wife Mary and I took a a day trip down to Haunt. And we were driving along, and, and I was talking. I was probably giving my wife another one of my The World According to Mark talks. If you've never heard one of those, they're really interesting. It probably also explains why Mary used to take a lot of naps during our road trips. Didn't stop me from talking. Anyway, during last spring's trip, I was talking away, and I suddenly realized I didn't know where I was. I was on Highway 55, but I, I was looking. It's like, where was the exit to Highway 32? Nothing, nothing looked right. And after several more minutes of driving down the highway, I realized that I had missed the exit. I was so busy talking, I had driven past Highway O, I had driven past Highway 32, I wasn't paying attention. I had become confused. Mary Magdalene had a confusing moment in John 20 at the tomb. In the first verse of John 20, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Massive stones don't just roll away on their own. 
Mary had to be confused. The, the next verse says, So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, who, by the way, is John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. You see, Mary had no clue what had happened. And yet I'm confident that hope, the hope that had been put in her by Jesus, helped her to endure. And so Peter and John, they, they ran to the tomb. And, and John, in his gospel, tells us that he beat Peter to the tomb. And as I read that, I think, you know what, maybe he's not quite as humble as we thought he was. He was humble earlier, telling us that Mary Magdalene is a tomb, but now he's telling us that he beats John to the tomb. And the men looked into the tomb. And Peter went in. And he saw Jesus' burial cloth, but, but no Jesus. Peter might have wondered why that cloth that had wrapped Jesus' head had been neatly folded up. Because if somebody had stolen Jesus' body, they certainly wouldn't have taken the time to neatly fold that cloth back up. Peter and John had to be somewhat confused. But we're also told that when John went in, he believed. We're not exactly sure the, the, what he believed, the depth of his belief, because his own words say he still didn't understand that Scripture said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then Peter and John went back to their homes. Mary Magdalene stayed near the tomb. Mary's confusion disappeared as hope revealed the truth. And, and the next words that had come in John's gospel are so powerful and they're beautiful. This is kind of the climax of the road to hope for Mary Magdalene. We read them earlier, but we're going to read them again. They come from John chapter 20, verses 11 through 16. John says, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and, and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they, they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know yet that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And then this huge, miraculous moment, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Mary didn't recognize Jesus until he called her by name. We don't know exactly why she didn't recognize him, but we do know when Jesus called her name, Mary, her eyes opened up, she saw who it was, and it was the greatest moment of her life. Jesus has called you by name. And I know that because you wouldn't be here this morning or you wouldn't be watching online if he hadn't called your name. If your vision has been clouded by the world or if you've had a hardened heart or you just never bothered to see, I, I pray that you would open your eyes today. Get on the road to hope. Declare Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. 
put your trust in the man who said he would do it and then rose from the dead. And he did it to save us from our sins. When Mary Magdalene met the risen Christ, she couldn't keep it to herself. And the last lesson of Mary Magdalene's journey on the road to hope is that hope is shared. John wrote, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. You know, when Jesus saves you from the road you're on, you have to share it. Many of us are here this morning because someone shared what Jesus did for them. We listened to their story. We trusted in Jesus. And guess what? Our life changed. And and that is to say, don't be afraid to share your faith. If you care about someone, you're going to tell them about Jesus. It's the greatest news they could ever hear. It's the best thing that you could ever do for someone. Now, our road of of hope in Jesus Christ might look different than Mary Magdalene's. Your story is probably different than my story. But if you belong to Jesus, you've got a story to share. We have hope. We have reason to celebrate. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And because our Redeemer lives, we too live today and for eternity. And that deserves a hallelujah. Hallelujah.